0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everyone, this is Paul Brennan, PGA Professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the Volunteer State. We will cover men's, women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We will talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can find us on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golfpro. Hard to believe this is our 40th episode this year. It's been amazing. Good run. Thank you, everybody, for supporting, sending in the questions, and allowing me to keep talking and boring y'all to death. But no, seriously, thanks again, everybody, for helping support this and keep it going. So this week, we've got a lot of coverage to jump into. So last week, I dove into the stats on the U.S. Open and covered that. And so I kind of stayed away from Tennessee golf for a week even though it's the name of the show. Um, but we're going to kind of dr- drift back into it, and we've got a lot to cover. So everybody, hang on. So first, going to the Pro-Am Series in Memphis on Monday, 9-28, September 28th. Miramichi hosted the event. Uh, top four professionals were Mark Ziesman, first place, Rafe Corder, second, Brian Wood, third, and Sean McFetridge in fourth. So some good playing out there, guys and girls. Moving over to Knoxville, now they had events uh, on September 21st last week at Three Ridges. Congratulations to Tom Lugwood winning that one. Moving on to September 28th at Oak Ridge. Friend of the show, Miss Allie Knight, shoots a 66 to win that one. Tied for second at 67, Jake Reeves and Glenn Hudson coming in. there really close. And then in fourth place, Mr. Casey Flanagan, who's always near the top, coming in at 68. Going over to Chattanooga, we had Council Fire on September 21st. Congrats to Mark Firminen and Eric Hester. Uh, first and second places, respectively, in those. Moving on to 928, Creeks Bend. Congrats to Kevin Ashley. Moving over to the Tri-Cities. Uh, September 21st, Glenn Rokey hosted. Bruce Bowen and Oogie Jones tied for first place. Third place, Alan Fennell. And in fourth place, Chris Stacy, moving into Cattails the next week, September 28th. Chris Stacy moves up that board, getting himself that first place finish, followed by Rusty Jones and Oogie Jones coming in third. Moving to the Mid-State uh, on September 21st at Smyrna Golf Municipal. Congrats to host professional Hal Laughlin winning that event. Dave Norman coming in in second, and Scott Merritt coming in third. So lots of Pro-Am coverage. You can check that all out. TNGolf.org. Go to the Pro-Am series and see everything. This past week, finishing up on Monday and Tuesday, we had the National Car Rental Tennessee Assistance Championship. Now, this is an event... That is the state championship, but the top qualifiers will go to the national event. And this event is held down in Port St. Lucie, generally towards the end of October, 1st of November. I know this was pushed back a little bit because of all the COVID restrictions. Um, We had 30-something professionals tee it up, assistants uh, playing from across the state. Uh, Congratulations to Lee Whitehead from Foxton Country Club, shooting a 141-3 under. Uh, to win the event and qualify to go to national. Coming in second is Bobby O'Brien at Chickasaw Country Club, uh, shooting two under 142 for the weeks, so coming up just one shot behind, but also qualifying to go to national. Uh, and tied for third, we had a playoff uh, between Ryan Botts from Oak, sorry, Old Hickory Country Club. And Michael Hutcherson from Jackson Country Club. Uh, Ryan wins the playoff and gets the third qualifying spot. So I know Ryan's been down there several times. Uh, I'll try and get him on if we can. Maybe talk about his experiences down there. Um, but congratulations to those top three winning. Uh, or alternates. Uh, we know Michael is the first alternate. Followed by Chad Walker from Vanderbilt Legends Club. And Alan Fennell from the Tennessee Golf Trail at Warriors Path. So... Congratulations again on the three that made it, the three that are on the waiting list, hoping to get in. Um, There was some really good play there at Chickasaw Country Club in Memphis, which was just recently reopened uh, after a Bill Bergen design, who also did the design of Macklemore that I talked about several episodes ago, which is one of the new hottest uh, courses built after 2000. So again, check all that out. On the PGA website, TNGolf.org, click on the Tennessee PGA site. Now, falling back a week. Now, this is an event I was lucky enough to play in, um, and, and so really got to see some insight and crazy how low some of the players went in this field. But the City of Crossville Team Championship uh, was uh, hosted by Lake Tansy, uh Golf Course in Cook uh, Crossville, Tennessee. And it was September 21st and 22nd, so last Monday and Tuesday. Um, It is a four-person field. Uh, This is the one event every year that does allow two professionals to be on the same team. So it can be two pros and two ams, or it can be a pro and three scratch ams. But it's a best ball team format, one best ball. Um, scores were super, super low. Good, good, good playing by everybody. Golf course is always in great shape. Um, first, tied for first actually was Flinigan, Cox, Mays, and Rice with Hauser, Rogers, Rogers, and Walters, or or Waters at 25 under. So some great playing there. Um, third place, Reeves, Holcomb, Weiss, Brock at 23. We lent McGowan Napervata at 22nd, tied with Wyatt Richardson, Maxwell, and Armstrong at 22, rounding out your top five. So some really good play there. Now we're going to jump over into the senior professional first. So want to congratulate friend of the show, Jared Melson, for sliding into that spot, shooting five under for the week, edging out Mr. Chris Dibble. By shot, coming in third was Lauren Personette at one under for the week, followed by Candy Saunders uh, and Randy Helton in fourth and fifth. So, again, really good playing there, guys. Senior field's always getting tougher and tougher. Um, A lot of really good players, a lot of player of the years listed there in those top fives. Now, I wanted to hold off on this one for a second, but I'm going to come back to it now for the individual regular professional. I'm going to kind of read his stats first for the event for the week and then talk about what he did. So, in round one, this player shot six under um, on the front. or Actually, for both rounds, he shot six under on the front. And for the second round, shot seven under All both rounds. Seven under on the back for 13 under. For the week, five under on the front, eight under overall. Two eagles... Seven birdies, five pars, three bogeys, and one other on day one to shoot five under. Second day, nine birdies, eight pars, and a bogey to shoot eight under, 64. Amazing, amazing run. Um, Round one, I'll just kind of read it off to you so you so you can hear this amazing 67. Birdies the first, bogeys the third, eagles the fifth, Birdies the 7th, triples the 8th, eagles the ninth, 2 under, 34. Then on the back side, birdies 11, 12, 13, 14. Has a bogey on 15, picks it back up on 17, and then bogeys on 18. So again, a double, I'm sorry, a triple, and 3 bogeys on the card day 1. Fires up second day. Turns at four under with four birdies on the front on holes two, five, seven, and nine. Birdies 10, bogeys 12, and then rattles off 13, 14, 15, 16 to shoot 64. That is our tournament winner, Casey Flanagan. Casey, great play in there, bud. Uh, for the week, shot 13 under. Was able to edge out Mr. Jake Reeves, shooting Jake shot 11. Opening day, 65, followed up with a 68. Um, Ryan Botts, who we just talked about as a qualifier for the National Assistance Championship, came in tied for third at 3-under with Miss Allie Knight, friend of the show. And rounding out in our fifth place position, Mr. Scott Masters, also friend of the show, coming in at 2-under. So some great play in there, boys and girls. Um, You'll have to dig deep down the list to find me. I did finish uh, tied for 14th, uh, so, you know, I'm just not... Not at the bottom, but got got some work to do on my own game there. But again, we've had a lot of amazing play. Um, Casey putting on a clinic, throwing out those birdies and eagles like crazy. Jake nipping at the heels as well. All right, that's wrapping up our current tournaments. We do have the state mid-am going on in Memphis this week at TPC Southwind. I'll have more updates and reports on it next week. So now we go into the listener questions. First one coming in for Tommy, and I'm sure this is going to be known as the DeChambeau effect going forward, but Tommy's want to know how to increase distance. So Tommy, things I've always talked about. Um, number one, uh, it's proper technique. It's finding a repeatable golf swing that allows you to strike the ball in the center of the face consistently. Um depending on what your skill level and your handicap, you may already be there. That's the case. That's where two and three are going to come in for you. Um, If you're not hitting the middle of the face consistently, recommend going and taking some lessons from your local professional, kind of help you find the center of the face more consistently and get a little bit more bang for your current buck. Moving into the second one, I like to blame the golf club. Um, When we start looking at the club, it's become a, it's, it's a mad scientist experiment in all reality. We're trying to match numbers across the boards. So, as we saw, and again, this is a great example, if we looked at my stats that we talked about in the US Open from last week. Multiple times we saw Bryson DeChambeau's ball speed be higher than his competitor on Sunday's Matt Wolf's. Yet, for the week, Matt Wolf was the longer driver. So, it's not just about ball speed, but it's all the launch parameters. Um, Matt's golf ball was coming in a little bit slower, a little bit lower. It had a s- sl- softer slider angle of descent, and it was getting more roll. We'd see Bryson hit a really good shot down the middle of the fairway. Matt's was land, some 10, 15 yards behind him, but would have enough power to roll out. And again, for the week out, drove him consistently about five or six yards. Um, so the the technology of the clubs come in, this is where you can – Go with an 8 degree or go up to a 12 degree depending on what you need. And you have the ability to open the hosel or shut the hosel down. Add loft, take loft off, move weights around. Um, and if you've got a launch monitor uh, and have the ability to kind of see the numbers and hit uh, you know, several, several uh, shots, we'll go ahead and call it 50 to 100, um, dialing in a driver, you can get the most effect out of it. Um, shafts play a major part in that. Uh, the manufacturers have done a really good job of matching shafts for the majority of golfers, uh, but we always see that player who might need a softer tip section or a heavier weight to control some spin and launch numbers. And, and those are things that you can always plug in and play. And again, that's where the launch monitors really come in. I've said this for years. If you go to a PGA Tour event on Monday or Tuesday, and you're actually seeing it more over the weekends now, that Players have launch monitors set up behind them, whether it's the track mat or the foresight or the flight scope or whoever's device they're using, and on Monday and Tuesday, they're dialing in those numbers. They're hitting the shots, and they're tweaking the clubs to find out. They can see ball flight in the air, but they want to turn around and know what was the spin rate, what was the launch angle. What was the spin loft? Um, Again, the difference between the angle of attack and the dynamic loft. And that's just kind of how we help create distance. Um, But all those little key factors are now becoming more and more important. Uh, During the U.S. Open practice rounds, we saw Mickelson carrying his launch monitor on the golf course with him. So as he was hitting these drivers and iron shots in the fairways, he was kind of tracking those numbers and noticing where they landed so that he could play with that. And again, he's such a field player, but giving those numbers, he knows how to take a percentage off and hit those particular shots. Um, so, Tommy, the, the, the technology of the club becomes the second thing. So once we're hitting it consistently in the face, we then find a club that's more effective for us. Again, whether you need more loss, less loss, those all can be determined. Uh, and then the one thing that nobody really likes to talk about that much, but it helps as much as anything is what Deschambeau again, is kind of showing us. Um, is the physical side. It, it, it's going into the gym. It's putting in the time and the training um, to increase the speed of the muscles um, to get through it more. Um, I saw some video footage of uh, Bryson's coach, Chris uh, Cuomo's uh, living room. He had force plates and launch monitors and they boarded up all his windows and, and nets and they were doing a like science, science experiment with force plates and things like that in the middle of his living room. Uh, during the lockdown to, to really see Bryson increase that distance and get the most out of So the physical side, um, is always a t- lot. I've talked about, uh, our friend Ashley Thompson down at, uh, Performance One in Franklin. Um, she does an amazing job with going through the TPI assessments and stuff like that. Um, again, Tommy, you can go to mytpi.com and search your area to see if there are any TPI, TPI certified, um, instructors in your area, and they don't just have to be golf. I know a lot of times they're medical professions as well, or fitness professions. But those are the three things that are really going to help you with your distances. Number one, just hitting the center of the club. Number two, finding the club that does uh, more work, more efficiently for you. And number three is is reflecting on yourself and figuring out where you need to change to get that more speed uh, and distance out of it. Um... I know last winter I did a lot with the uh, super speed golf uh, guys. I went through their certification classes um, and I worked on it November, December, uh, all the way up until actually February and I had seen almost 12 miles an hour ball speed, which was a little over 20 yards carry for me. Uh, COVID hit, I quit working out as much and lost some of that, didn't lose it uh, all, So I'm definitely hitting the ball further in 2020 than I did in 2019. But really, the only thing I changed was going to the fitness side, the number three. And just, it wasn't an extreme workout. It was 15, 20 minutes a day, a couple times a week. Um, But just swinging some, going through the, the, the protocols that they have and seeing some stuff. There's a lot of really good stuff out there as well. Orange Whip does some great stuff. Speed Swoosh. So you can definitely dive into those. But Tommy, like I said, I'd look at, you know, are you hitting the middle of the face? find out if the club works, and then um, work on the physical side to, to get yourself in better shape. So I hope that helps um, going there. Cliff comes to us from Instagram talking about green reading. How are the guys on tour using the books and how does it help? So Cliff, I, I've been fortunate enough to have some friends playing some events and get my hands on um, the green reading books. They're absolutely amazing. Um, they'll do a breakdown of all the slope percentages and grids and everything like that. And it's just a great way to be able to see things your naked eye can't tell. Um, is there a half a degree of slope? Is there six degrees of slope, which we can easily see, but do we know it's six degrees when we see it? Um, now, the books, if you're looking at these, uh, there's a company out there called Stracoline, Um and you can go to their website, And they have measured and monitored a lot of golf courses throughout the United States. And you can buy their regular yardage books, or you can buy their green reading books, or you can buy their combo books as well. Um, You can actually uh, purchase a digital version, download the app to your phone. That way you could actually move the pins around as you see fit and and help find the lines. And that's what the guys on tour are doing with the striker lines. Um, They actually know the, the perfect uphill, the perfect downhill as they're reading the greens. Um, now the books are expensive. And, and again, if you're playing the same golf course all the time, I could see it. Uh, but if you're playing a lot of different golf courses, it's really tough to make that kind of investment. Um, I know golf logics has released an app and they do have a tournament mode version. Um, but in non-tournament ro- mode, you can actually use the gyro on your phone, take a picture and it'll tell, read the putt for you in tournament mode. It'll give you an overlay of the green so that you can see the slopes, ups, and downs. So again, those are some really good things to think about. Um, what I generally do uh, for my events is I do have a Breakmaster, and a break matter master is a digital level. It reads in degrees. And so when we're playing our tournaments, I'll go out and I'll put the, um, where I think the pins might be or if I'm lucky enough to play. The day before the tournament, the pins will be marked, so I'll know um, the color codes and the dots. But it helps me just find where the fall lines are. Um, and then, again, if it's a lot of slope, it's going to be breaking harder than very little slope. Again, it just kind of helps visualize what I'm already seeing, but kind of puts some numbers and perspective to that. Um, but a really good way, Cliff, if you don't have any of these toys that I'm talking about, um, something that you can easily do. Is just walk around the hole at uh, about a 12 foot increments or interval. So just make a big circle around the hole. And what you want to do is you walk from your starting position. You want to notice or feel: Are you walking uphill or are you walking downhill? And, and so as you start to feel these sensations and changes, those are going to be your high points and your low points. So wherever you start, you know, walk clockwise or counterclockwise, wherever you feel. But did you feel like you were walking level? Did you feel like you are walking up or down the hill? And just kind of make that slope circle. Um, I'd recommend carrying four Ts with you. Uh, when you find that transition change at the top, we'll call that 12 o'clock. Put your T down, you'll walk down, you'll find your transition at the bottom, we'll call it six o'clock. Now they don't always match up perfectly in line because of the degree of slope and things like that. We may see some offset, which is fine but find a medium point between the, the 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock on the the left side. We'll call that 9, and on the right side, it's 3, and kind of put those tees down, and then stand at those 12-foot putts with, the, with your golf ball and just kind of roll some putts and see if you found the true line. Um, you can always move your tees around once you figure that out, but then if 12 o'clock is always the high point, it's, it's always going to be straight down the hill, and if 6 o'clock is the low, it's always straight up the hill. So that gives us anything from 3 the most break right to left, and anything from 9 the most break left to right. Anything between 6 and 3 or 6 and 9 on the other side are going to be slightly slower up the hills. Anything between 3 and 12 and 9 and 12 are going to be slightly faster down the hills. So Cliff, that's a great green reading trick. Again, if you start playing the same t- golf courses all the time, you'll start to learn some of these subtle nuances uh, about them. But I know a lot of the new cor- a lot of courses are switching over to some new types of grasses, so it's a great time to get out there and start feeling them out and figuring it out. Um, but again, Cliff, I hope that helps with some of that green reading. You can always reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter if you have any questions there. Um, Sam comes in to us about wedge distance. And that's always, always been a key. Um, The majority of your shots are played from inside 120 yards, no matter what your skill level is. And so it's being able to know the difference between a 75-yard shot and a 90-yard shot. You know, is it a full club? Is it a partial club and stuff like that? Sam, what I I do a lot and work on it, because, you know, it's no fun to go to the driving range and hit it, no target. I mean, you're just not going to get the detailed grass, um, greens, uh, target grids and things like that at the driving ranges you're going to have a lot of 100 150 200 250s and everybody wants to hit driver and so how do you work when you're short game um one of the things that i like to do is i'll take a towel uh, a series of towels i'll take my shag back out and let's go to a field um there's a, there's plenty of public land uh, parks and things like that that are mown at a level that you can hit golf balls and, and i'll go out and I'll set up my first uh, towel at 30 yards, and I'll set one at 40, and I'll set one at 50, and just take my shag bag, and I'll, I'll hit how I'll many balls in my bag, um, and, and you know hit 10 at the 30, and then go 10 to the 40, and then 10 to the 50, and then come back, and just work my way all the way through the bag, um, and then once I'm out of golf balls, I'll go pick them all up, move my towels out to the 60, 70, 80 mark, come back and do the same thing, and so that way I can just... You know, if I've got a sixty-five yard shot, I know a sixty-yard shot, and I know a seventy-yard shot, so it's something in between. And where and where do I make my mistake, short or long? Uh, and just kind of do that. So Sam, that's the greatest way um, I can tell you that with no toys. Uh, I know I've talked about it all in the past about some of the the very portable, inexpensive launch monitors like the Miso um, from FlightScope or the Voice Caddy. Um, and finding something like that where you can actually spend some time and hit some shots and get instant feedback of contact and a number and so that way you don't have to guess did it land on the towel short of the towel but the, the towels just help with that visual so sam i hope that helps on the wedge distance uh so definitely you know just get some shag balls get some towels get out there and hit some shots and, and try and figure that out well, I'm going to wrap up this week with that tip for Sam. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Paul Brandon, PJ professional. Um, Our show, we cover all types of things of golf in the volunteer state. We take our listener questions, we talk to instructors, we talk to players, organizers, we talk about the tournaments, men's, women's, junior, professional, amateur across the board. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us dot Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at QIC underscore Golf Pro or on Instagram at pbrannon 21 Weather was a little chilly this morning. I teed up at 8 o'clock in a charity event. 40 degrees, the ball didn't travel this far. So... But by midday, it was 75, 80 degrees. So take advantage of this beautiful fall weather. We got a few weeks left before time changed. So get out and play as much as you can. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much.